0: Welcome to Gathering Gold, a podcast for highly sensitive souls. I'm Cheryl Paul, a counselor trained in the Jungian depth psychological tradition. And I'm Victoria Russell,
1: Cheryl's niece and co-host.
0: This podcast explores some of the themes highlighted in my book, The Wisdom of Anxiety, and my Conscious Transitions blog. Join us as we dive into the realms of our inner worlds to ask deep questions, grow more self-trust and self-love, and embrace sensitivity, creativity, and the rhythms of the natural world. If you would like to connect with me, Victoria, and others in the Gathering Gold listener community and support the podcast to help us continue our work, please consider joining our Patreon patreon.com slash gathering gold.
1: To learn more about Cheryl's course offerings, including courses to support you in breaking free from anxiety in all forms, learning to trust yourself, and becoming more comfortable with uncertainty, please visit Cheryl's website, conscious-transitions.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Cheryl is at Wisdom of Anxiety, and I am at Perennials Podcast. Thank you for listening. So this is our second attempt to record an episode about what happens when we mess up, how we all mess up, and what's that like for me and for Cheryl, and how do we work through it? We wanted to talk about this because we've done some recent episodes about purity and perfectionism and the idea that you do not have to be good. And we liked the idea of really putting some color and texture around this idea that we kept reiterating that we are all imperfect and we all make mistakes and we all mess up. We wanted to actually put some stories and language around that and something that people could sink their teeth into a little bit. Because it can all just sound very abstract when you just say, but we're all imperfect and no one's totally pure and we all mess up. So we attempted and we did. We recorded for like an hour and a half last week. (laughs) And I guess by some measurements, you could say we messed it up. We... We didn't have a pre-talk like we usually do. So I think we were on maybe slightly different pages about what we even meant when we say the phrase mess up. Hmm. And I think we had a very interesting conversation, Cheryl, and we plan on releasing the the first attempt as our bonus episode for, for the Patreon this month because it was really interesting going into that first conversation, Cheryl, you and I had talked about each sharing a story about a recent mess up. And you said that you kind of had trouble thinking of one, right?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so the story that you shared was like, kind of a mess up, but but kind of not (laughs) kind of just like an accident freak thing that happened. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you want to talk a little bit first about what changed for you? Kind of your mindset going into the first conversation we tried to have about messing up and then your mindset coming
0: in to this one. Mm. It was so interesting because after we recorded last week, the very next day, I messed up. And then the next day, I messed up. And then the next day, I messed up. And there have been five mess ups just since that last recording and you asked me a really interesting question because i texted you every time oh my victoria i just messed up and then again i just messed up again and you said do you think that you're noticing it more or that it just happens to be that you've you know messed up this week and i don't really know i think probably both um I probably have had a different lens of noticing when I've messed up and making note of it, which is interesting in and of itself. And I will share the five mess ups um, because I think it's important to be transparent, like you're saying, to give that texture and nuance and specificity, the stories about how we mess up and what we do with it, how we process it. But I think that it's part of my psychology, I guess, at this point, is that I don't register it all that much when I mess up. I say, oh, oops, eeks, you know, and and I feel the mess up and I might feel the heat of shame or embarrassment or, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just did that. And it's not that I brush over it, but I'm not recording it very deeply. And so at the day's end, I'm not ruminating on it. I'm not focusing on it. It happens. I think I forgive myself pretty quickly. I know that even though it seems horrible in that moment, it's not going to seem horrible in even 20 minutes. Definitely not the next so it's been a really interesting experiment and journey around this idea of when we mess up and what we do with it and how much weight we give to it. Oh my gosh,
1: that phrase that you used that you're not recording it very deeply when you mm. mess up. Mm. That struck such a chord with me because I feel like when I mess up, I am carving it in stone Ugh. in my being. Mm. <laughs> yeah. The story that you told in our last episode was about how you were driving down the highway in your husband's truck and a, a bird <laughs> flew into the windshield and sadly did not survive survive that collision. Yes. But there was nothing you could have done. You were It wasn't like you were distracted or texting or, Mm-mm. you know, like it, this was a freak thing that happened. So you told this story and I was like, huh. <laughs> 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 I'm, you know, in my head, I'm like, I'm struggling to find the mess up in here. Yes. Because you didn't do anything. Like there was nothing you could have done. It was like a very
0: unfortunate event that happened. <laughs> Yes, but what was so interesting is the story that you told, uh-huh. which I think you'll tell again. <laughs> yeah. I was also struggling <laughs> yes. to find the mess up. Uh-huh. And
1: what I think is interesting about that is the way that we perceive. Like it it got yes. you and I thinking about what do we what does it even mean to mess up? Sometimes it, a mess up is a split second accident. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I I forgot to set the timer and, you know, what I had in the oven burned. Yes. Sometimes a mess up is a split second accident or wrong decision. But for me, like I often see myself making like a series of choices that lead to what feels like a bigger mess up. Mm -hmm. But what feels like a big mess up, I mean, sometimes it is a big mess up, but a lot of the time what I see as a big mess up from the outside, someone else is going to go like, I don't get I don't get it. Like you're just being a human being. Right. I kept saying in our conversation I mess up all the time. I mess up every day. I mess up all the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and what I what I meant was like I have this ideal version in my head. Some ideal version of me who is just as we've talked about in in recent episodes, who's just perfect. Yes. And so every day as I am just being my imperfect human self, I constantly feel like I am messing
0: up. Yes. You and I could be doing the exact same things every single day, and you're interpreting yourself as const- I mess up every day. And you kept saying that in an episode, and <laughs> finally I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean you mess up every day? What are you talking about? Give me an example. And I could be messing up every day, too, by that definition. But what's also interesting is that you would never judge me through that lens. Mm -hmm. It's only the way you judge yourself as some ideal version. If I did all the same exact things and you were looking at my life through a, a little window, I don't think you'd be saying, oh, my gosh, Cheryl's messing up every day. Right.
1: So the mess up story that I that I shared with Cheryl last week, it was a a rainy Sunday, and Martin and I woke up, and for the zillionth time he said, "Ugh, this mattress that we have, it's like it hurts my back." And this mattress was my older sister's mattress in college, so it's like 15 years old, and it's had a few owners, and it's kind of in rough shape. And I said oh, it's just a rainy day. There's not much to do. We have some errands to run. Let's go look at mattresses. Like, let's let's start to work on this and solve this solvable problem that we just keep kicking the can down the road mm. about. Mm. So Martin was like, okay, we're not going to buy anything today. But yeah, let's like go to the mattress store nearby. So as we're walking in to this mattress store, he reiterates, we're not going to buy anything today. Let's just check things out. Basically, we very immediately are greeted by an enthusiastic, some might say, aggressive salesperson. And I, in the face of a salesperson, so many of my insecurities and hangups and habitual responses come out having to do with people pleasing and feeling a lot of pressure and even like over empathizing and feeling overly responsible. So, you know, as soon as I feel like I've taken up someone's time, I think like I owe this person something. So mm-hmm. once I had spent, I don't know, two minutes with this salesperson like showing showing me around, I felt like I owed him something like I owed it to him to buy a mattress that day or he was going to be mad at me or he was going to be disappointed or like, how would he feed his family, Cheryl? Like this person has a family to feed. Yeah. And it's your responsibility. And it's my responsibility. And his family is my responsibility. Yes. So Martin kind of wandered away. I'm alone with this salesperson. He had asked us our our price range, which we had not even talked about really together (laughs) beforehand. And Martin threw out a number. So I found a mattress in that, like right around that number and I sit on it, I'm like, Oh, this feels good. And, and in my brain, I'm also like, Oh, I just want to solve this problem for Martin. Like I don't want him to wake up feeling like his back hurts every day. And, and when it comes to making decisions, I also struggle because I go into like analysis paralysis. I'll do like a ton of research. I will find out everything that's wrong with every option. And then I'll get paralyzed and do nothing or make an impulsive decision to just get it over with. Mm -hmm. So all these things are percolating, percolating. Martin comes over, I'm like, this one's good, it's the right price, like, how about this one? The salesman hears us, he's like, oh, I've got this one on clearance, it's the last one left in the state, I can give it to you for $200 less than the price tag and your budget and I can deliver it to you for free, but you gotta act on it now. So doing like all the salesman tactics. So Martin is like expressing his discomfort and hesitancy. But I'm just like, no, this sounds great. Let's just do it. It'll be fine. Mm -hmm. So Martin acquiesces and we buy the mattress. But the thing is, you can't return a mattress that you buy on clearance like this Mm. in this situation. So we leave and I can tell Martin is uncomfortable. And right after we leave, I look up the mattress online and i find this reddit thread where people are like this is the worst mattress ever it's like sleeping on a cement block yeah. i have to crawl off this mattress on my hands and knees every morning and i i'm just flooded with shame uh, mm. absolutely flooded with shame mm-hmm. i can see all my habitual tendencies like all just like bubbling there and creating this this chemical reaction yet I can't like stop it all the Mm. time Mm. so then the way I often respond to messing up is to try to deflect and deny and point my finger at someone else (laughs) like maybe Martin and Mm. say well you should have said no you should have you you should have stood strong. You should have just walked out of the store if you didn't think this was a good idea. Mm -hmm. But then the other half of me is just feeling this deep shame and like one second I'm saying it's your fault. The next second I'm saying I'm the worst. I'm terrible. I'm Mm -hmm. so sorry. I'm so stupid. I'm so dumb. I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with me, but Mm -hmm. oscillating between the deflection and denial and blame and the deep, deep shame. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. So that's where I go when I mess up. Mm. So that's the first reaction, oscillating between shame and blame. Yes. And then what happens?
1: I can stay there for a very long time. Mm. (laughs) And depending on the severity, um, I tend to ruminate quite a bit and catastrophize and all that. In this Mm -hmm. case, I really tried to like pull my pull my prefrontal cortex and pull my like loving adult (laughs) Mm -hmm. into the situation. I tried to be honest instead of denying and avoiding. I tried to be honest about what was happening with Martin Mm -hmm. and to say, yes, you're right. Like my people pleasing kicked in my, my struggle with decisions like kicked in. My impulsivity kicked in. And then with that honesty to then turn to looking at it as like, okay, this happened. How can we make it better instead of focusing on what a terrible person I am? Yes. Um, and instead of just thinking this is an irreversible disaster, you know, mm-hmm. how can mm-hmm. I can I talk, can we talk about things we can do to make it better? And this is like a really a not habitual thing for me, but an mm. important thing to focus more on like what happened and how can we work on it as a team mm-hmm. instead of what happened, what does it say about my worth and my character and who is yes. to blame yes. or the other person's worth and character and who is to blame. I think I'm always sitting there just waiting for someone to be really, really, really mad at me and to mm. blow up at me. Mm. Um, and so that's kind of my habitual response. And every time someone offers me grace and focuses on, okay, that happened. How do we fix it? What do we do next?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's like mind blowing. And I, I'm i trying to bring that into my life more and more. So mm-hmm. the mattress is ex- excessively firm. Um, we have put a topper on it. Mm-hmm. I feel okay. We'll see how Martin does. We're going to give it some time. One of the reasons I wanted to share this story is because I think anything around money, like messing up with money, mm. you know, it's a big purchase, yes. can be shameful and also really difficult for people. It can be more or less catastrophic depending on what your circumstances are. So mm. I think money stuff can feel really scary and shameful because it can be scary and I think there's just a lot of taboo and stigma mm-hmm. around like making mistakes with money. So yes. that's always a hard one to swallow. But like it, we didn't spend money we couldn't have in this instance. You know, it wasn't that case. So I'm focusing on that and trying to actually learn from it and like let myself feel, feel the regret, feel like with honesty what happened so that I can learn from it. And use that learning in the future instead of like the denial keeping me in the same exact patterns, because that's usually what happens when I
0: stick in the denial place. Yes. And I think that's such a critical piece is to is that mindset around learning and shifting into that mindset around learning already helps us lift out of the shame and blame spirals. Because if we're in shame and blame, it's a very stuck, heavy place. And it's closed, it's dark, it's muddy. But as soon as we shift into, okay, I messed up, what can I learn? Things open up inside. And not what can I learn so that I don't mess up again so that I can be perfect. Mm -hmm. Because we have to be mindful of the sneaky, tricky ways that the perfectionist tries to weasel its way in there, but that there's a true intention to learn, to say we do mess up as humans a lot. And if the mess up is attached to our worthiness, we're going to spiral down and we're going to then wait to be punished. And there's that worldview around punishment. I messed up. It's evidence of my badness and brokenness and somebody, something is going to punish me because they're going to see that I'm a bad person instead of I'm a fundamentally good person and I'm a human and I messed up and can I zoom out and up a little bit from the shame place so that I can get some space and perspective and learn And something that I
1: see in you that's really interesting to me, what you just said about not learning so that you'll be perfect, Mm -hmm. it's like the difference between I need to learn like you said so I can be perfect and so I won't be punished and blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah, Mm -hmm. versus this calmer sense of like, it's more about like what you want to experience and what you don't want to experience so much. Yes. It's, it feels like a very different place mm-hmm. to say, oh, I'm learning so I can like take care of myself. Like Knowing myself, I'll be able to go into that situation a little differently. I don't know if I'm quite articulating it, but I see that in you where you make decisions because you're like, well, I want to take care of myself in this way. I know I'll feel better mm-hmm. if I do this. Yes, as opposed to I
0: need to do it this way or else I I am bad and I will be punished. Yes, it's that internally derived decision-making place. I make decisions because they make me feel good, not because I'm trying to be perfect or I want to learn from this so that I don't override my partner next time and listen and I want to make sure that I listen to his right. voice next time. Right. Um not because I'm trying to be the perfect girlfriend or the perfect wife, but because that's in line with my value system is to be someone who considers my partner over the random salesperson yeah. <laughs> <God>. yes, <laughs> yeah, seriously, right. And so it's about being in alignment with values that then make us feel good and more connected, connected to ourselves and connected to the people around us who matter, as opposed to trying to please some random person or some random idea of God or something out there that we think is judging us and looking down upon us. So should I share some of my mess ups? Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> okay. And it's interesting because I think that they're it's like a hierarchy. Like some of them are seem really like so what? But even like I think one of the most minor of the mess-ups, maybe because it's the most recent, lands in the most like ooh, cringy, shameful place inside of me. Um so the first one was. And all of you who are in my nine month course may have noticed this mess up is I sent out an email last week about the small groups and I had copied and pasted it from an original email that was sent to one of the groups. There are 19 or 20 little small groups as a part of this course. And I was sending out an additional set of instructions and information and guidelines. And I, so I copied and pasted it from the first email that was going out to the first group so that every single group got the email to the first group, including their names and my little introduction to that group. And I didn't, I wouldn't have even known except for somebody wrote to me and said, Oh, I noticed that email to the other group. Um, and she had a comment about it. So I then quickly went back and looked at all 19 emails, and sure enough, I had sent out incorrect I copied and pasted something that I shouldn't have copied and pasted. So not a big deal. I would think that half the people didn't even notice. And the other half who did notice were probably like, oh, that's weird. There's another group down there, but who cares? But in the moment, it was that flood of, is it shame? It's like the flood of, oh no, or the flood of, I've messed up. Ugh. Um mm-hmm. I I'm not I wasn't perfect. I was moving quickly. I thought I had this system and I was all proud of it. I was like copy and paste, copy and paste, copy and paste. <laughs> and I thought I had this great system and and then oops, I had copied and pasted from an email that I shouldn't have. Um And so I felt it I texted you, "Oh my gosh, I just messed up." Um I knew it wasn't a big deal, but my perfectionist really didn't like it she was like, oh, Cheryl, Cheryl does not make those kinds of mistakes. (laughs) Like Cheryl always checks her work. Cheryl always checks her email. So even as I'm kind of saying it right now, there's another part of me that's like, yeah, well, you know, F you perfectionist because (laughs) Cheryl does mess up. And maybe that's okay that I don't painstakingly double and triple check every single solitary thing. I mean, I still do, you know, every Instagram post, every, I don't like typos. I don't like errors, but it happened. And so I can feel that part of me still as I retell it now, but I haven't really thought about it since. Right. So it's not like it's not ruminating. If I dredge it up, it doesn't feel great, but it's also okay. So that was number one. Number two was potentially much much more severe. Luckily, it ended up being okay. And this was the next day. So this was last Wednesday. I was driving my kids to school, except instead of going to school, Everest had this project for one of his classes where he had to take the bus to school. So we were going a different route, and I was supposed to drop him off at this bus stop, but it was a park and ride, and I couldn't figure out how to get to it because there was a cement divider. And I realized, okay, I can either go through the light or I could just make a U-turn. And I said, I think I'm just gonna make a U-turn. And Ever said, I think you should just go through the light. Ever the wise, cautious one, my son. <laughs> and I was like, and I have a little bit of a reckless part of me when I'm driving. I think it's from growing up in LA and learning to drive in LA. I'm like, nah, it'll be fine. Um and so Getting ready to make my u-turn. and I, for some reason, and I was very tired, I hadn't slept well the night before. And I turned too wide. I went too far into you know the intersection instead of like hugging and making a short hugged u-turn. I went too wide so that when I came back around, the other person making a left almost ran right into me. And we were inches away, and I saw in her car, she had two little kids in the Mm backseat. Oh, my goodness. And our reflexes were fast, and we both slammed on the brakes. Luckily, the person behind her didn't hit her. That would have been all my fault entirely, 100%. And by some grace, it was okay. I pulled into the parking lot, and I was shaking. Mm. And my kids were not happy with me. They were not gracious in that Aww. moment. <laughs> Everest was mad. He was like, I told you you should have. <laughs> um, and I just sat there breathing. I like shook out my body because it was a you know intense nervous system moment. I didn't want it to get lodged. Um, and I just said to both of them, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I just like to the mom, I'm so sorry. I mean, the moment I was like, I'm so sorry, mouthing to her. Um, Everest got out of the car to go to his bus stop and Asher and I just sat there for a few minutes and he was not happy with me. Um, and I was not happy with myself. I didn't I didn't feel shame. I felt shooken up. I felt um, scared. And I also knew... I have to just keep going, right? I can't let this moment stop me. It happens. Um, and so we continued on our way. We took a few minutes and I breathed, and I shook out my body. And um, and then we continued on our way, drove to school, told Dave about it. He was, of course, concerned, but he's always just super sweet. He wasn't like mad at me or shaming me or um Although, a couple, every time I went out that day, he was like, be careful, drive, drive safely. Oh. Be careful. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so that was definitely me messing up. No question about it. I messed up. Um, and luckily, everybody was okay. So the next, should I keep going?
1: Yeah, let's, let's just get through Okay, to the-, the
0: list. Yeah. The next one, I feel like it was maybe even that night. It was Kol Nidre, which is the night that Yom Kippur starts. So it's like the holiest, holiest day of the entire Jewish calendar. Everest and I are at synagogue, and I'm sitting in a row with a couple of my friends, my two women friends who are in my new moon group, um, and some of their friends and their sons very sweet and there's a prayer book, but the prayer book, because we're such a out of the box synagogue, it's in a binder. It's not registering to me as a prayer book. And there is a rule in Judaism, maybe it's in every religion, that you do not put sacred books on the floor. You put them on the chair or you put them in a little shelf that goes underneath the chairs. Or, you know, I guess in a pew, there's a place to put sacred holy books. Um, and I put mine on the floor, and very sensitively, my friend picked it up and she said, it, Because it's a prayer book, I'm just going to put it over here. Uh. Oh, then I felt shame. Yeah. That one I felt shame. Like, oh goodness, I messed up. And she was not shaming at all. Was not coming from her. But oh, I don't know what that was mm-hmm. that one. That one was really hard. I've done that before at Synagogue mm-hmm. because I wasn't raised. In religion, as I've said many times, this is not natural to me. She wasn't really either, but she attends synagogue a lot more than I do. Um, it wasn't like I was thinking God's thinking you're a bad Jew. I mean, this is the day where, the, where literally you're praying to God to write you into the book of life for another year. Like when you're <laughs> atoning for all your sins and it's all about being written into the book of life. And But it's not like I went there. Like, oh, I'm such a bad Jew. I'm a bad person. I'm not, I'm going to be punished. I didn't go there. I just went to exactly your response, Victoria, like, like, cringy in my body. I want to shrink down now and hide. So the next one, there's only two more. Um, The next one was a little bit, sad to me it's you know and the scale of things it's okay but we got home from our trip we were in New Jersey yeah yay um and I hadn't watered I have this fern and I have taken such pride because the fern was on the brink of death it was not happy in our living room it was too sunny so I brought her into the bathroom and she's just been my friend in there and I've nursed her back to life and I Spritz her with, I'm not great with indoor plants. It's not one of my gifts. Um, and I had neglected to water her and I, and I noticed it before we left and I was like, Oh no. And I poured water. I like doused her. I probably drowned her. I don't know. Mm. And I came back and she was, I don't know what's going to happen to dear little fern, but mm. I feel pretty sad about that. I, I'm hoping she'll be okay. I'm really hoping. I think she's resilient. Um, so I definitely messed up, you know, I I don't want to kill, I don't want to kill a plant. I really don't. But I, I, sadly, I have killed plants in my life. Um, and then the last one, we were back East for the 90th birthday of Mima, who's that's what everybody calls my husband's mother. Um, so my children's grandmother, your grandmother. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a beautiful, beautiful weekend. And I was posting some of the photos on Instagram. And I referred to Mima as my husband's mother. And when I was writing it, I couldn't think of what, what's the term? Like, what's Mm -hmm. the word? I couldn't. And I was, you know, it was a long weekend. My brain was kind of fried. I was tired. And so I wrote my husband's mother. And when I realized it, I felt, again, this, like, twinge of shame. Like, she's not my husband's mother. She's my mother-in-law. Mm. She's my mother-in-law. And I felt sad and I felt embarrassed. Like, if anyone from your family and my husband's side of the family saw it, like, that's – it was such a distanced way to mm. express who she is. Um and I guess I, I don't really have much of a relationship with her, so maybe that's where that was coming from. But it tapped into some place of social anxiety, which definitely comes up for me, not a lot, mostly because I'm not in a lot of social situations. <laughs> and <I've, laughs> I have engineered my life so that I don't have to be in those kinds of situations. But I fe- definitely felt it over the weekend. Um, it was a lot for introverts. And I think most members of that side of the family are introverts, (laughs) um, at least a significant percentage of them, but I felt like it was a dishonoring in a way, maybe similar to the prayer book. Like it was, Mm. it was a dishonoring and that's not, that's not who she is. She's my mother-in-law and, um, and she's only ever been good to me. I don't have a close relationship with her, but she's always been good to me, really from day 1. And the sweet little text exchanges we've had over the years and on my birthday and she remembers everyone's I mean she has like 9 million grandchildren yeah. and she's like remembers everyone and um and so I felt I felt the shame, but then I felt the sad and then I felt the social anxiety like if any of the sip my my husband's siblings, the aunts and uncles were to see it, like, would they feel dishonored or distanced or like I'm somehow, I don't know. I went through, I I did ruminate. I went through some mm. places in my, and I could have just taken it down. But it was the beginning of a series of photos, so it wouldn't have made sense to keep the other ones up there without that first one. So that was the most recent, and maybe that's the one why that one feels more ruminatory in my head or more like shamey in, in my being. Um, but those are my five Mm. in just a week.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I felt like I, I was like, Oh no, did I break Cheryl a little bit? Like, did I like introduce this, this thought process to her of creating a litany of her mess ups where before she just didn't, you know, was just like, Oh, oops. (laughs)
0: But here's, here's the thing it actually feels really good it felt weird and wrong to be like my big mistake is that a bird hit my truck yeah. like <laughs> like how holy am i that that's the only mistake how mm-hmm. perfect am i and so every time i'm able to be transparent and share my humanity it's it's just a relief and it brings me down to the ground. I don't want to be on some pedestal holier than that. I don't want people to think, you know, to build some kind of perfect projection around me because that doesn't help anybody and it's not true. And so it's just a relief to yeah. to name it, to see it. And like I said, none of it none of it sticks around long for me. And I feel lucky um, that that's the case. I don't think that was always the case in my life. I think that's partially a function of getting older and I think it's partially a function of just doing a ton of inner work and you know not getting lost in a shame spiral for too long because the fun of my fundamental self concept is one of goodness.
1: Mm. My fundamental self concept is one of goodness. Mm. That's like radical for me. Mm. (laughs) I think it is so helpful because I was listening to yours just now like, ah, ah oh, that's not that bad. And we all do that. And, but if it was me in each of those scenarios, I think, yeah, I would feel super similarly. I would really beat myself up. And that's why it is helpful for us to talk about these things with each other, because it helps us build that perspective, that, that more objective Mm -hmm. perspective, because that distancing of when you do something thinking of someone that you love and someone that you see as fundamentally good mm-hmm. thinking what if they did this like how would i respond yes. that is really helpful
0: yes and i was thinking about the episode this morning before i got out of bed and that's exactly where i wanted us to land is to pose those questions to you when you hear my list do you think less of me do you think i'm a bad mother do you think I'm a bad daughter-in-law? Do you think I'm a bad person? Does it change the way you see me in any way? Like, does it lessen the way you see me? No. You had to think about it first. No, no. (laughs) Actually, I was like,
1: that's a rhetorical question for those listening, right? And then I was like, oh, me? No. No, you. (laughs) You. No, no. No, if anything, I think I feel closer to people when they show their humanity to me. Right. And it can even build like some shared humor between people, I think, Mm -hmm. sometimes. And obviously, like, there's different levels of messing up. Like, we are not telling our most shameful or most painful mess ups. We're sharing like our most recent, like, here's what happened in the last week. Yes. (laughs) So anyone listening who's like, oh, well. Right. That's nothing. That's Mm -hmm. nothing. Like, we, we all have mess ups that are really painful and that have had, you know, consequences that have been really painful. Yes. As humans, we do mess up in more serious and painful ways sometimes. And so wouldn't it be such relief for those of us like me who who inscribe the mess ups into the cement parts mm. of our brains mm. wouldn't it be such a an energy saver <laughs> and relief to hold the smaller mess ups with lightness mm. you know um, yes, to offer ourselves more grace to focus on you know, when it's, when it's applicable, like solving the problem rather than beating ourselves up or saying, oops, and then moving on, you know, whatever the case may call
0: for. Yes. Yes. The oops response is so helpful. Oops. (laughs) Oops. Oops. Yes. And that we can apply that to the smaller mess ups, but even for the bigger ones, and I know I keep repeating this, but I think it's maybe the most important point is that if you are attaching any of the mess ups to your worthiness, yeah, that's when we get into real trouble. Mm-hmm. Instead of there can be real big mess ups in life, but it still doesn't mean you're a bad person. Right. It's still always in some way, an opportunity to learn and grow even our most painful mess-ups and sometimes especially our most painful mistakes or mess-ups or failures.
1: I mentioned this in that in that mattress story, but especially with other mess-ups that feel a little bit more, well, This the, the mattress one was relational too because it had to do with me and Martin, mm-hmm. um, but especially with relational ones where I feel regret. I've learned that, you know, there's the time for oops, move on, and there's the time for ouch, Mm. breathe, Mm. ouch, Mm. 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 like, okay, I feel Mm. that, and I'm going to let myself feel that. Mm.
0: And then grace. Yes. And that in the feeling of it, we allow ourselves to then move through it and I think reduce the tendency to ruminate because the rumination is the headspace that quite often is a protection against just letting ourselves feel the regret or the disappointment or the shame, the social shame, not the shame as evidence of core badness, but like putting the prayer book on the floor, there's a a social shame of, and it's okay for me to feel that, let myself feel that, and then give myself the grace of, okay, I'll try not to do that again.
1: Right. Or the sadness of, oh, I hurt that person that I care about. Yes. Like it's right and appropriate to feel sad that, you if you hurt someone's feelings or
0: Absolutely. you know or
1: Absolutely. you weren't there for someone the way that you wished you
0: had been or yes or whatever if you were insensitive or if you yeah. overrode like martin had expressed i don't want to buy something today yeah and then you bought something yeah and so oh i'm you know i'm sorry i messed up i i overrode what you had requested
1: in the bonus episode for this month um, from our first recording, I share a story about a time where I felt like I, I didn't do the right thing with a friend where I could have hurt her in some way. I think I, um, it just didn't handle a situation the way that I wished that I had. And, um, and it was one of the first times that I felt like I really owned it and, mm-hmm. um, made amends as best I could. It still didn't feel good, Mm. but I felt like I was able to handle it better than I have similar situations in the past just because through experience, I've watched myself avoid things and I've watched how avoidance can just kind of make the wound deeper. Mm. And so... Like in that particular scenario, letting myself feel the regret and sadness and then own it showed me that also I'm capable of that, that it's not as scary as maybe I thought. Because sometimes when we don't let ourselves feel the feeling or own the mistake, it's like we think that there's this monster under the bed of like, I can't handle that. I can't handle the feeling. I can't handle the interaction with that person. I just can't handle it. And it's not actually as scary as we think it is. And so when we practice that too, it's kind of something that makes us a little bit stronger, I think. Yes. Yes. So if you want to hear that story and some of the other stories, we shared some fun stories about some things about Cheryl in high school that were shocking to me, quite frankly.
0: <laughs> yes, we've considered <laughs> calling that bonus episode Confessions.
1: <laughs> you can find, <laughs> find that episode over at our Patreon next Friday when we release that bonus episode. But Cheryl, I'd just love to hear as we close out, what would you wish for, for the people listening the next time that they mess up in a big or small way? Mm. what would you wish for them to hear in their heads, like the voice that you would want them to hear in their heads? Mm.
0: I would wish for them to imagine that it's somebody else that has made that mistake, a friend or a parent or somebody that you care about. And imagine how you would respond because every single one of you has that voice of the compassionate friend living within And you would respond that way to anybody else. And so much of this healing inner work is about bringing that compassionate friend to your own inner world and being that kindness, bringing that voice of kindness and forgiveness to yourself. And so what I hope is that you would hear some version of, it's okay, you made a mistake, everybody messes up, you're human, and can you let yourself feel whatever the associated feelings are if that's what's needed or if it's if what's needed is oops move on that you let yourself find that response but that you bring that mindset that attitude of true kindness as you continue to grow that knowing inside that you are fundamentally good and loved and whole. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you, Victoria.